You're listening to the Wrestling Takeover. What is your name? With your host, Jordan Turner, who's always going to keep it real. Come on, King. Inside and outside the ring. Let me make myself clear. He's got the band behind him, King. It's time to take over, King. Are you ready? He's all fired up now, King. Take over. Let's go. Is pro wrestling fun? Is pro wrestling exciting? Is pro wrestling grabbing you guys as a fan base? Um, is AEW exciting to you? AEW is exciting to me. There's actually a lot of great things on the show. We're going to talk about it right here on the Wrestling Takeover. This is episode 267. Thank everybody for joining me on the Wrestling Takeover. This is your official in-depth review and analysis of AEW Dynamite for Wednesday, April 27th. 2022 fun episode of dynamite before i get into the opening match between dax and cash let me promote my stuff so if you guys want to go out and support the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts on streaming platforms apple podcast spotify google play iHeartRadio, and spotify please go check it out it is on linktree.com slash jordan turner that gives you guys an easy access to go in and check out the podcast. If you guys missed any of the previous episodes, I did my Monday Night Raw review. If you guys missed that, go out and check it out as well. Also, I recently published a new opinion piece article on discusspw.com. And I was talking about Roman Reigns, talking about his title reign and pretty much how I would book it. If you guys want to go and read that, please go and check it out discusspw.com shout out to those people man follow me on social media follow me on twitter at jt takeover and follow the podcast on instagram at the wrestling takeover shout out to the family over there i love you guys and i appreciate you all really supporting what i do uh i'm a fan just like everybody else and i really appreciate that there are people out there that really love to you know Listen to my podcast, listen to my point of view. At the end of the day, you know, I'm a fan. I have different opinions just like everybody else. And I just love talking about pro wrestling at the end of the day. If you're new to the podcast, you're new to what I do. I do fantasy bookings. I do pro wrestling reviews. And I also cover the latest news and rumors in the world of pro wrestling. Even though as of late, there has not been a lot of news to cover. That's why I have not been covering the news and rumors so i just wanted to clarify that for everybody that is misinformed and wondering why i haven't been covering the news there really hasn't been nothing to talk about in the news department uh the scheduling the scheduling i will be returning with monday night raw i want to get this out the way before i get into the AEW review i will be coming back with monday night raw reviews i am continuing with aew dynamite reviews on wednesday i'm thinking about coming to do impact wrestling reviews on thursday let me know what you guys think about that if you guys will be interested in me talking about impact wrestling i'm thinking of doing either impact wrestling reviews or doing a throwback thursday going back and watching a pay-per-view you know with wwe or fits nxt whatever the case might be i might be doing throwback thursdays every thursday going back and watching a WWE pay-per-view and giving you guys my opinion on it. 
So let me know what you guys think about that. And then Friday Night SmackDown. The reason why I have not been covering SmackDown is because, well, the simple fact is the show is not interesting to me whatsoever. There's nothing on that show that is grabbing my attention. And so that's why I'm not covering the show. Until it starts becoming good again, I'll cover the show. But until then, I'm not doing it. So what you guys are going to be consistently getting right here on the podcast is Monday Night Raw, AEW reviews, news and rumors, depending on if there's some news and also if the news is credible and worth my time to talk about it. If not, then I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to pick apart every single news report and talking about it. If it's important enough for me to talk about it, I will talk about it. If not, I'm not doing it. And then, like I said, uh, I want to intertwine either Impact Wrestling Reviews on Thursdays or doing a throwback Thursday, you know, talking about whatever pay-per-view or NXT TakeOver show and kind of give you guys my opinion on that. And so let me know what you guys think. All right, let's get right into AEW. This was a decent show. This was a decent show. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people really aren't giving AEW, you know, they're kind of giving them shit because they feel like AEW really has kind of hit a wall. And here's my thing about that. I don't think AEW is hitting a wall. You know, they still put on banger of shows. They've for the most part, for the most part, they give us what we want. They give us what we want. They do some repetitive stuff sometimes, but at the end of the day, the show's good. And it's worth my time talking about it because if it wasn't, then quite frankly, I wouldn't be up here every single Wednesday and talking about AEW. But we got right into it, man, with Dax Harwood. I see defeated Cash Wheeler via pinfall. This match lasted 15 minutes and two seconds to qualify for the Owen Hart Cup Foundation Men's Tournament. Professional wrestling to me is important. Storytelling is so important to me. Character development is so important to me. We got storytelling in this match. This had a fight feel atmosphere. And I love that. I love it. And I love that it opened the show. You know, CM Punk was on commentary. Right? He joined the commentary to begin the show. His theme song hit. Uh, we get FTR's music. They came down. This was just a great moment. They put on a great match. Blood, sweat, and tears. They duped it out. And it was a fun, fun match from start to finish. I really enjoyed it. So... Like I said, at the end of the day, um, Cash Wheeler, he lost. He took the L. And Dax is entering the tournament. And that's pretty much it. It's pretty much it. I'm not going to really go over what happened in the match because, you know, um, everybody was seeing what I was seeing. So it was a great match. Again, it lasted 15 minutes and two seconds. I enjoyed myself. Great storytelling from start to finish. The fans were emotionally invested in it, and that is the important part about it. Let's talk about what happened after the match. Both men embraced after the match, which was a beautiful touch. Fans cheered it. I loved it. Then we seen CM Punk versus Adam Page announcement. Commentary mentions that their face-off last week 
was the announced match before CM Punk grabs the microphone and walks down the ramp. He starts off by, by celebrating Dax and Cash. He says that the AEW locker room is the most talented he's ever been in, and he's asked himself for months ago before that if he can get back in the ring and if he can still do this. He says that he can and says that now he can still do this. And before he says Adam Page is uh, great, but at the same time, he's going to beat his ass and he's taking the title from him. And there's nothing Adam Page can do about it. I love that. Number one, that, that you know, opinion in regards to CM Punk mentioning that AEW has the best, you know, locker room. I think that was a shoot. That was real life. He genuinely feels that way. That is a pop shot to the WWE, if you ask me. That's number one. Number two, Paige and Punk are going to put on a clinic at Double or Nothing. I cannot wait for Double or Nothing. Number three. CM Punk is winning this title. Let me repeat that. CM Punk is going to beat Adam Page. If Adam Page wins this match, I would be a little disappointed. Let me tell you something about Adam Page, man. Adam Page's title run to me has been its success. He's faced a lot of top stars. But the problem is he doesn't come off as a main event caliber world champion. He isn't in, you know, the main event segment or main event match. And some people within the IWC have a problem with that. I don't know why you have a problem with that, but you guys have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. Because when Adam Page is on my screen, he's important. He is the world champion. So he has my undivided attention. Period. So, you know, CM Punk came back. He had, you know, one goal in mind to make AEW feel important, to put a lot of respect on AEW's name, to get some of these men and women, these young superstars over. He's done that. Now it's time to go after the world title. And I think he will be successful at doing so. And we're going to be looking at our new AEW champion. And I'm praying to God that we eventually build towards Brian Danielson versus CM Punk for the AEW world title. We need to get that match. We'll see what happens. Next up, Scorpio Sky cut a promo. Dan Lambert. I love Dan Lambert. Dan Lambert is fantastic. He says that Scorpio is having a title match isn't a coincidence. And then says Sky runs down his achievements and then says that the Philly crowd aren't here for Sammy. They're here to see him win the TNT title. I have a lot to say about the TNT title situation when I get to it. Next up, the Blackpool Combat Club, John Moxley, Brian Danielson, and Willa Utah. They defeated the Factory, QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, and Nick Cormiota. With Anthony Agogo uh, was, I would say, their manager. Uh, they won via 8 minutes and 47 seconds. The Blackpool Club is awesome. Brian Danielson is fantastic. John Moxley is fantastic. We know that we are fully aware of that. But Willa Utah. Willa Utah is a young thoroughbred in this business. He reminds me so much of Randy Orton. It's not even funny. The young kid 
coming up in the game, trying to prove himself, prove that he can be taken as a serious threat. That's exactly what Randy Orton was doing with Evolution. That's exactly the vibe I get here. And William Regal being the manager is just pushing icing on the cake on that. Definitely putting icing on the cake. Uh, I have one question for Tony Khan. One question. When are we going to get those trios titles? We need to get those pronto. We need to get those ASAP. The Combat Club versus the House of Black. That's money. That's money. We got to get it. We need to get the trios titles. You have a lot of trios in AEW, and they're fighting over nothing. That is the one, I would say, real problem that I have with AEW right now. That they have the, you know, they have trios teams, but they just don't have the titles right now. I'm not sure what's going on when they're going to debut them, but they need to debut them before the summer is over. I'm just throwing that out there. So this match was fun. It was exciting. Um, what happened here? I'm going to go towards the middle of the match. We returned from action, turned from break, commercial break. As QT Marshall tags in and Willie Utah hits a German suplex. Nicely done there. And then tags out Danielson, whistle, QT tags in solo. Danielson attacks with chops and then kicks in the corner before taking out QT and Nick with the tope suicida. Awesome tope suicida by um, Willie Utah. So after that, he takes out Solo with the gunshot drop kick to follow suit from the top rope. He fires in the kicks with the Sterling, but with the head kick to follow suit, then leads to Solo running him up. Danielson transitions to the LaBelle lock and a Comrioto breaks it up. Before that, Moxley hits him with the half and half superplex, and then Moxley and Danielson take them out with Moxley removes Nick from the situation. After that, Danielson takes out Solo with the drop kick from midair, which looked great. And then after that, Nick takes over with some head beams and then goes for a stampede. But Willie Utah counters with the dragon sleeper and then normal uh, one before dropping Komriyoto with a hammer and evil elbow strikes and then pins him with a, sit, a seat belt whistle submission lock and they get the W. We need those uh, TBS trios titles. We, we need those. And we need them very quickly. We'll see what happens. Next up, going right into the next segment. Tony Schiavone interviews uh, Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Tony Storm. Tony introduces Ruby Soho, who says that she's noticed that they picked up a new people or they picked up new people before they can argue. And we obviously see a match here as this was actually announced. Um, this was interesting. You know, I would love to eventually see Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker, you know, go 1v1. I think they are going to slowly start moving in that direction. Not right now, but it's going to come. I can't wait for it. I think this is going to be a big break for Jamie Hayter. I think Jamie Hayter has a look. Of course, uh, she has the microphone ability, and she's a great pro wrestler. So I think Jamie Hayter has all the tools. Britt Baker, we know Britt Baker. I'm not going to go over Britt Baker's accomplishments. Britt Baker is that chick. She's that girl, and she's the top of the line in the division. Tony Storm, 
She just came into AEW. You know, um, she's going to be just fine. I have nothing to worry about with Tony Storm. It's Ruby Soho's the problem. Ruby Soho came in with a lot of fanfare. I'm still a fan of Ruby Soho. I love Ruby Soho. But she came in with a lot of fanfare. You know, the fans are still there. We're with Ruby Soho still. So don't get it twisted, okay? All I'm saying is Ruby Soho's momentum has died down significantly since her in-ring debut. You know, uh, Thunder Rosa is the AEW Women's Champion. You know, Ruby Soho and Thunder Rosa had that little sequence of matches that they had, right? With that at double or nothing, I believe it was at double. Or, I, I don't know where it took place when Ruby Soho came out. I think it was double or nothing. But Thunder Rosa versus Ruby Soho at double or nothing this year is something that Tony Khan really needs to think about booking. Because, listen, um, Thunder Rosa's reign really hasn't been that great. And that's Tony Khan's fault. The women's division, you have people. But it's not moving as quick as I thought it would be. With getting Ruby Soho and Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm. Right? You got Jade Cargill. You have Chris Statlander. You got Ricardo Shida. You got Serena Deed. You have people. The problem is the booking of the women's division. This is the same problem I have with the WWE's women's division. Both companies are not really booking their women, I would say, properly, creatively. They're not booking them right. We'll see what happens, man. AEW can definitely fix it. But the thing is, they need a lot more talented women outside of the, you know, obvious people. So we'll see what happens. Next up, man. My notes are fucking up, bruh. Okay, next up. We have Jurassic Express. They get interviewed. Jungle Boy explains that he should have won last week. And Christian says that he sounds like a loser. There's the tease right there for the heel turn. Christian kind of gave it away. Gave it away just, just a little bit. A little bit, you know. He says that he sounds like a loser and he isn't. So he puts out a challenge to any of the top five teams. And Team Taz steps up Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. They say, let's get it. Let's go. This was interesting. This was interesting. The Jurassic Express need tag teams and Ricky Starks and Rit and um, Powerhouse Hobbs. I think are a perfect tag team. Will they take the titles off of the Jurassic Express? No. But at the same time, they do need teams and they need opponents. This Christian thing's interesting because I honestly feel like Christian hasn't really done much in AEW, but at the same time, he has done a lot in AEW. We just haven't seen it because it's behind the scenes, of course. Christian's going to turn heel. The thing is, what's the reason for him turning heel? What is the reason for Christian to eventually turn heel? What's the blueprint for him turning heel? I don't know. I really don't know. But, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm very interested to see how Christian's going to turn heel. What is his motive? We'll see. Next up, we've seen Wardlow defeated Lance Archer with Jake the Snake Roberts via pinfall. This lasted five minutes and 30 seconds. 
Wardlow is an absolute fucking beast. Okay? Wardlow's a monster. Wardlow's one of the biggest baby faces that AEW has. No question. It's hard to kind of talk about because the match really didn't go that long. Wardlow won, and the momentum of Wardlow at the end of the day is what people give a fuck about. I care about it. You care about it. When MJF eventually loses to Wardlow, it's going to be a sight to behold. It's going to be great. The crowd's going to pop, and I'm very excited to see what's next. I formally pitched for MJF versus Wardlow for the TNT title, but w, um, AEW excuse me, is doing something else, which is cool, but I think we need some stipulation with MJF and Wardlow. This cannot conclude with just a singles match. It can't. We need a 1v1 last man standing match. We need a steel cage match. We need a false count anywhere hardcore match. Whatever the fuck you want to do. We need a stipulation match for Wardlow versus MJF. We'll see what happens. Next up, Jericho Appreciation Society. They sit down with Santana and Ortiz. And in fact, that's actually going on on my TV screen right now. Uh, So... The Jericho Appreciation Society make their entrance and look in prime years and in sync as this. I'm literally reading it from my notes. In sync on commentary tells us that any physical contact in this quote sit down will result in fines and bans. And Helico Parker says sports entertainers keep bashing WWE. I mean, I <laughs> I get it, but damn. You know, at the same time. Uh, So they say sports entertainers are best for business and then calls the crowd the AEW Galaxy. He retreats to the crowd that there are going to be no violence here whatsoever. Santana and Ortiz and Eddie Kingston come out and then Jericho tells us we're lucky to be in the Chris Jericho era and Beams getting kicked out of the building last week and Demons demands an apology. Ortiz responds with a middle finger, which I loved. I laughed my ass off. That was funny, and it was genuine. It wasn't a forced middle finger. So after that middle finger spot, he does that to Santana, or or excuse me, Santana does the same thing that Ortiz did. They both flip off Chris Jericho, pretty much saying, Chris Jericho, fuck yourself. I love it. So Santana says that Jericho turned his back on them too and knows that that he knew them before Daniel Garcia ever got involved. And so after that, we see Eddie Kingston. He says that he doesn't care about any of the sports entertainment crap. And he begs them to fight him now. And he doesn't care if it's five on three. Jericho says that he's tight. He's taking them out one by one and puts them down. And that's how they're going to take it. Eddie Kingston says that in his world, a hit means something else. Jericho says that he can't hit him because No other company wants him. No other company wants him. No other company wants Eddie Kingston. That's crazy. That's a crazy comment. Eddie Kingston says that he can smell the fear. Oh, so he's Jeepers Creepers. Eddie Kingston is Jeepers Creepers. Jeepers Creepers can smell people's fear. Eddie Kingston can smell people's fear now. So he's Jeepers Creepers. So Eddie Kingston says that he can put people... In the ground. So now he's the Undertaker. Putting people in the ground. Damn, Eddie Kingston, Jeepers Creepers, and Undertaker. Jeez. Uh, But Jericho isn't ready to go out there. 
before they can leave. So Jericho ain't moving. Jericho does not give a fuck about Eddie Kingston. This entire segment, it was great. He acted like he was listening, but at the end of the day, he really wasn't. Eddie Kingston got in his face, and Jericho still couldn't give two shits. We need Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho at double or nothing, and we need this to be inside of a steel cage. I've pitched consistently a hell in a cell type of structure created for AW, and we need to get Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho at double or nothing, and it needs to happen. Bottom line. This was a good segment. I enjoyed it for what it was. Thing is, I'm not really understanding where this is going. Where is this going at the end of the day? Now, we understand and we're aware as a fan base that it's building towards Jericho versus Eddie Kingston, and that's cool. But after that, where is this leading to? You know, I'm tired of Santana and Ortiz being in a group. Fuck that. I need to see LAX Impact Wrestling, LAX, Santana, and Ortiz in the tag team division. I'm tired of them siding with Eddie Kingston or Chris Jericho or whoever the fuck they're siding with. They need to be in the tag team division this year, and they need to be going after those tag team titles. That's just me. That's my opinion. And that's about it. So next up, we've seen Sammy Guevara. He cut a promo. Sammy says that Scorpio is the most boring man in AEW and nobody cares about him. Really? So that's a shoot. I mean, I think Scorpio Sky is kind of boring too. He has no personality. But he is slowly getting a personality. That's weird. So... He says that he doesn't know what's brighter, Tay, the TNT title, or their future. Excuse me while I throw up. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm so sick of this bullshit with uh, Tay and Sammy G. Nobody gives a fuck about your relationship on TV, homie. Nobody cares. Just go out there and steal the show like you always do. Nobody gives a fuck about your relationship, man. We're not with Ty Conti. We're not with her. So we don't care. This whole thing with Sammy G and Ty Conti, listen, they are acting like the edge and leader. You're not edge and leader. I'm sorry. Number one. Number two, you need to embrace the hate. You need to embrace that. You remember when Kane tried to make John Cena embrace the hate in 2013? You remember that? I remember that. That was a, one of the, the best times that John Cena should have turned heel and didn't do it. They cannot, AEW cannot, I repeat, they cannot fuck this up with Sammy Guevara. He needs to turn heel. This, ain't, this baby face ain't working. I gave them the perfect blueprint to be a big time baby face, underdog baby face. They didn't do it. So now they need to have him be turned heel. It's got to happen. Because right now, nobody really cares about Sammy Guevara right now. This whole thing with him and Ty Conti is extremely forced. And it is what it is. Next up, man, this match was awesome. For only 11 minutes and 40 seconds it got, this match was great. I loved it. I'm a fan of both women. Serena Deed, she defeated a Carl Sheeta via submission in a Philly street fight. This was fun. So we get underway and Sheeta attacks with the kendo stick. That is Sheeta's pretty much uh, sledgehammer 
with Triple H. That's his favorite, you know, weapon. Sheeta's favorite weapon is the kendo stick. So she grabs her kendo sticks but misses. And then the brawl begins. They start duking it out. This was great. The crowd going crazy for it. Sheeta gets on top with a big missile drop kick and then grabs a chair on the outside and then grabs it with the knee strike as well. Deed rolls back into the ring to avoid Sheeta, beats her down on the top rope before she hits a knee strike. I love the knee strikes when done properly. Sheeta tries for a knee strike again from the apron, but deep counters with the chair shot. They head back to the ring, and Sheeta hits a knee breaker onto the chair that was brutal and sends her uh, or sends us to the commercial. We come back from commercial, and Sheeta attacks, uh, or Serena Deed attacks Sheeta's knee, as that was the story of the entire match, and tries to re-injure Sheeta's knee. She uses the rubs to do more damage, and Carl Sheeta tries to fight back. Deep stomps on her, and on the apron, she knows how she kicks, and Serena Deed off the apron. Deep comes back with the Russian leg sweep, and then Deep smashes the chair on her knee. We come back at the end of the day. Towards the end, we see Serena. She tries over an eye poke before uh, she hits a deep talk on the chair, and Serena kicks out. After that, Serena locks in a sounding lock submission, hammer submission move, and uh, who Carl Sheeta's knee into the chair where she will, she wasn't able to go anywhere. She was stuck. And so she tapped, and then she locks in the Texas Cloverleaf to force uh, Sheeta to tap even more. That was it. That was it. This match was good for what it was, for the amount of time it got. This was good. I loved it. We saw Thunder Rosa watching the match backstage. This is interesting. Looks like Thunder Rosa's next opponent might actually be the winner of this match, which was Serena Deed. It looks like we're getting, from the looks of it, through my point of view, through my eyes, it looks like we're getting uh, Serena Deed versus Thunder Rosa. I'm fine with that. I have no problem with that. Them two going at it a double or nothing. Sign me up. Again, the women's division, as promised, they just really need to format the women's division and put people in great positions. After that, we've seen MJF and Sean Spears interview. And this was a good interview. It was short, sweet, to the point. At the end of this, looks like AEW is teasing W. Morrissey, formerly known as Big Cass, from WWE. Looks like uh, MJF is going to get his new muscle. I love Jay Morrissey. He's from Impact Wrestling now. He's doing some great stuff over there. I'm a fan of his work. And I'm happy he got back and being clean and stuff like that. So shout out to Jay Morrissey, man. Him and AEW would be great. Him versus Wardlow would be fantastic. I would love for that to happen. You might see it. Because Jay Morrissey, formerly known as Big Cass, might be debuting in AEW very soon. Next up, the House of Black. Where have these guys been? Huh? Where where have these guys been? I missed the House of Black. I know everybody can't be on TV, but you know, House of Black really needs to, I would say, appear on TV a lot more. But, you know, they only come out when it's important. And they came out, so this was clearly important. The lights go out, and when they come back on, Fergo's left lying on the ramp. House of Black go to unmask him, and then Alex Hamrehendes 
interrupts them. They march to the ring to deal with him. Not that it's him, but it is him. And then Penta and Pac emerge on the stage, followed by the real Alex. And then we see Phoenix rising from the ashes. He comes out as the triangle, the death triangle, wipe out the house of Black. So it looks like we're going to get a trios match between these three, three, uh, these two teams. And again, like I said, the trios championships need to come back and uh, they need a debut, man. Did I just say they need to come back? I'm losing it tonight. Um, they need a debut. <laughs> they need a debut, man. Um, because I'm tired of these teams facing off and nothing happens. They're not fighting for anything. There's nothing important on the line. They're just fighting. I'm tired of that shit. We need the trails championships. And we need to get them before the summer is over. Like I said earlier before. Um, I began the review. We need to get the trios titles. We'll see what happens. Next up, we've seen Darby Allen and Isaiah Swerve. Scott Swerve and Darby are facing off on Rampage in a Owen Hart Quad. Owen Hart Cup men's qualifier. I'm botching all over the place tonight, guys. I'm sorry. I'm going to watch this match. I don't really watch Rampage. I really don't because there's nothing important on the show. But if we get a good promo segment, if we get a good potential match like this one, I'm going to watch Rampage specifically for something like this. Rampage to me just does not feel important. It's not must see. And that's where I stand by that. But this was a great interview promo by Swerve and Darby Allen. I'm fans of both of them. Really am. And they're going to have a killer. They're going to have a banger. Um, on Friday, so I can't wait for it. Main event, Undisputed Era, Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, Red Dragons, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, and Adam Cole. Adam Cole's awesome. I'm just saying. Adam Cole is fantastic. They went up against Brian Pillman Jr., Griff Garrison, Dante Martin, and Brock Anderson, and Lee Johnson with Arn Anderson and Julia Hart. This match went 6 minutes and 32 seconds. This was pretty boring for the most part. It was boring. Uh, kind of lame main event. Nothing really too fancy. Nothing too pretty. Just, you know, a main event here. This was funny because WWE kind of had this big, elaborate taxi match as well on Monday Night Raw. I thought the Monday Night Raw match was better than this match in the main event. And that's how I feel about it. At the end of the day... Nothing really happened. I'm not taking that out. I'm so sorry. I just yawned. I'm tired. I'm tired. But um, we've seen a backstage attack. We've seen a backstage attack, man. Uh, Matt Merrill pulls the camera over and we watch Jericho blow a fireball into Eddie Kingston's face. And it goes so much better than what it did, obviously, with... Uh, this is my opinion with the Hulk Hogan shit and then the Keith Lee crap. This was a better fireball spot than Randy Orton and Alexa Bliss crap that we've seen with the fireball. But that's how AEW uh, really ended, right? That was over. That's the show. It's not. It's not the show. The main event. Scorpio Sky. Sammy Guevara. We got another ladder match. Let me tell you something, Tony Khan, listen, 
I love ladder matches, man. Ladder matches are fantastic, but listen to me. You have too many ladder matches. You need to stop. You need to fucking stop, okay? I'm tired of it. I really am. Scorpio Sky with Dan Lambert. They defeated Sammy Guevara with Tay Conti. This match lasted 13 minutes and 45 seconds. This match was solid. It was fun. You know, ladder matches are always great, but the problem with ladder matches nowadays is it's the same thing. There's no creativity. There's no originality. And it's all the same ladder match bullshit. Spot here, spot there. A big spot. You know, and then that's it. I'm not talking about the match really because we already know who won. Scorpio Sky won. But I got a bigger problem on my hands that I really want to get off my chest. And then I'm going to end the show and uh, that's pretty much it. So, AEW really has a TNT problem. Sort of. From the standpoint of they pick and pop this title. What do I mean by pick and pop? They pick an opponent and they pop it out to another opponent. Pick an opponent, pop it out to another opponent. Like, are they trying to really make this title prestigious? Because, I mean, they're doing a good job for the most part. But I would say over the past couple months, they really have not made this championship uh, feel prestigious at all, in my personal opinion. Now, they've done better booking their championships than what WWE's done. But I thought the TNT title was supposed to be this workhorse title. Have you guys gotten this perception, this belief that the TNT championship is a workhorse title? I haven't gotten that in a very long time. I feel like they don't even have a plan for the TNT title. They're just throwing people together, facing off for the TNT title. It's not how it should be going, man. Not at all whatsoever. You need to have a plan in place for this title. And it feels like AEW doesn't have that. How many times have Sammy Guevara won this title? What, like four times now? Three? I'm not sure. But I know I'm in the ballpark either three or four times. And none of his reigns really have been interesting. Remember, it's not about how many times you win the title. It's what you do in those title reigns that are going to count the most. Sammy Guevara, man, you know, I don't really know what AEW is doing with him. I don't really know what AEW is doing with a lot of these people. But, you know, they have a, um, their show's still good. It's not boring. I'm not bored. You know, um, I'm very enthralled into the Blackpool Club, the House of Black um, I mean, outside of that, I mean, there's nothing really to get excited about with AEW outside of those things. Um, you know, the Undisputed Elite storyline I'm excited about because when Kenny Omega comes back, that storyline is going to go into full throttle. Um, the women's division is still questionable. The tag team division is fun. The tag team division is great. You know, um, so AEW has a lot going for them more than what the E's doing, but, you know, AW, when it comes to storylines, I mean, eh, they're not really that good from a storyline perspective. They're not really that good. There is, it is what it is. I feel like AW is more about pure pro wrestling than storytelling and character development, and I have a problem with that.
But at the same time, I don't want to come off sounding like a hypocrite because they do have storylines and they do have characters. But 95% of it is pure pro wrestling, which is fine, which is cool. But you need that storytelling and you need those characters that me as a viewer can invest my time into. We'll see what happens. But AEW is hitting on all cylinders right now, but they're not popping as it used to be. It's not a pro wrestling in general to me. I'm not, I haven't lost faith in pro wrestling. I'm still watching pro wrestling. Every week, I watch it. You know, the thing is, pro wrestling isn't, you know, grabbing people's attention as it should be. And it can. And it's all about creative. We'll see what happens, man, with AEW. AEW is doing great, but they can definitely be better. No question about it. You know, Thunder Rosa, her reign's not that good right now. Sloppy. The tag team division's on fire right now. We need those trios. Titles, you know, Adam Page's run so far has been solid. He's going to face CM Punk. I cannot wait for them to go 1v1 on the promo. And that potential feud with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter is going to be great too. And I can't wait to see that. So there's some things to look forward to with AEW+. Plus. I did not forget. Next week, Deanna Peraza will be defending a Ring of Honor Women's Championship against Mercedes Martinez. I'm so excited. I can't wait for that. I can't wait. I really can't. That's going to be great. Deanna Perrazzo on AEW. It's going to be must-see. And now since Tony Khan has Ring of Honor, we're going to see Ring of Honor participants in AEW. Sign me up. I can't wait. Thank you guys for joining me right here on the Wrestling Takeover. Be sure to remember, subscribe, follow, rate the podcast five stars on all available podcast platforms. Follow me on Twitter at JT Takeover and continue to follow and support the family on the Wrestling Takeover on Instagram. Also, check out my recent article on DiscussPW.com where I talked about Roman Reigns' fantasy booking, his title reign. Go ahead and check that out and continue to support the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Next time, you guys will be hearing from me. We'll see what happens. But thank you guys for listening to the wrestling takeover.